Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Welcome to a special edition of the Anfield Index Analytics Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan Kennett, um, and I have a very special guest tonight. Um, it's um, Mr. Josh Williams, formerly of this parish, but now um, of the Analyzing Anfield Podcast at the Liverpool Echo, uh, an Echo or Reach PLC staffer. Um, Josh, how are you doing? I'm doing good, mate, yeah. Uh, it's been a while since I've been on one of these podcasts, so uh, thanks for getting me involved. That is absolute pleasure, mate. I mean, um, the purpose of the, the the show tonight is going to be a informal chat with Josh about how he's ended up with what a lot of people might say. You might listen to this pod is is a kind of a dream job, and um, and but we're not going to start with that straight away. We'll just have a, just have a general chit chat about the Reds. So, Josh, it's looking good. It is looking good. This is uh, this is what I'm more comfortable talking about, I think, rather than uh, what we're going to discuss for the next hour. But um, yeah, I think that I'd have, you know, flawless to me. Can't really touch them. Um, Demonstrate in plenty of different ways of winning. You know, whether that be lucky, whether that be ugly, whether that be dominant. You know, we just seem to be uh, untouchable at the minute, and it's 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 really good to see. I mean, who saw this coming? I mean, that 18, 18 straight wins in the league, it's just, it's just fairy tale stuff, isn't it? Eight points ahead. So. Yeah, well, it's it's that kind of thing. That, like, no matter how flawless your performance is, um, no matter how good your players are, 18 wins in a row doesn't come around often. I think we should be cherishing these moments, to be honest. Uh, I mean, absolutely. I mean, this is the, the, this is like this is these are the good times. I mean, I mean, it, it, we will look back on this when we're. You know, <laughs> with the grandchildren or whatever, and we'll say remember that team of 2019 and you know, the, the the 18 wins in a row because this this is like we I don't think we've even you know our our dads and uh, our families and elders will never have, they've never seen anything like this either. You know, okay, they've seen titles, but they've never seen anything like this before. No, well, I've not I've not even seen anything close. Like I'm I'm 25 now. I think I have to think about that. Um, but yeah, <laughs> the, the the best team I've seen apart from a couple of months under Brendan Rodgers. Was probably Benitez's side, um, yeah. And you know, even when Benitez's team were on top of it, it was still quite. You know, the football wasn't particularly thrilling. Uh, we we were quite quite a compact. Yeah, we had like the eleven clean sheets in a row, and we had different kind of club record then, didn't we? We we I think it was I think yeah, we got one like of ten in a row, and then another one of eleven in a row. That was just like heady times as well, you know. Yeah, it was just a different team. Um, like I, I was tasked with writing about uh, Klopp's legacy a couple of months ago. Um, his tactical, tactical legacy on the club, mm-hmm. and I, th- I think one of the things that I, that I really thought was important to pick up on was the fact that he's he seems to have instilled a playing style that is, for me, representative of the city, as well as winning. Um, whereas I think Rafa, he brought the the winning and the you know, the the impressive performances and things like that. But it was just done in a different way and it didn't really capture I think the essence of the city and and that kind of thing. So it really is special times doing it. I think what Klopp's doing, you know, at the top of the division, competing at the top of Europe, but also doing it in in a Liverpool way if you like. So yeah, we just uh, we need to enjoy it while it's happening. Absolutely, I'll second all of that. So I right, onto the onto the reason why I've asked you to come on. Um so is it fair to say, Josh, that that you really like your job? <laughs> yeah, you I must love it, of, really. Yeah, I think that's a bit of an understatement, to be honest. Yeah, uh, it's it's basically the role that I would tailor make for myself if I was to start from scratch right now with my own with my own business, I suppose. 
Yeah. Uh, but I've, I've been very lucky to uh, to be given it and trusted with it. So, I'm guessing you've gotten there through a quite a circuitous route. There's not been there's not been straightforward. There's been a lot of ups and downs on the way. There's been a lot of maybe a lot of things happen by chance. But um, I mean. The most important thing is in in life is not, there's not many people can go on home and say I really love my job. I mean, most people, some people it, they hate the job, some people it's just a job, you know, and you know. But the, then some people say they really love it, and and I, I guess I'm going to have a lot of listeners on this show, a lot of listeners to AI generally, who they want to get a job of some kind in in quotes the football industry, you know, whether that's in football inside a club, inside a coaching staff. Some maybe with the national association or in the media covering football, um, and I think um, I, th- I think what I want to what I want to do is, is just show maybe how that there is a pathway of things that people could do, and then if they do that and then if they're good at it and then they get a little bit of luck on the way, then you know the doorways can open up for these um, for people. Um, one name I wanted to start with just to, to, to who's the ultimate example of, of, of somebody in the public domain is, is Rene Maric. I mean, you know, when you first started, did, were you aware of the Rene Maric story and, and what he did? And was that, yeah, an inter- yeah. and, and how much of that did, did that, did you, what he did? Cause you've, you've, I guess you've, when you've evolved, you've come up doing fairly similar stuff to what Rene was doing. Yeah. Possibly. Yeah. I mean, it, I'd say Rene's is slightly more, Elaborate, even being totally honest with you, his is really, really thorough and in depth. In depth, and, yeah, really in depth. Um, Popper yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to the extent that he, he fully should be working behind the scenes for a club. Um, I've not previously experienced club work. That's something I I am intrigued by. I'll be honest, but and, and that's something I speak with David. David, who's David's for those who don't know, is the, the lad who was employed. Yeah, he was employed alongside me. We've got the same role. We're the first two in the company. With these roles, um, and that's something we speak about quite often, just in terms of like how different is what we're doing to you know what's what's conducted behind the scenes at a club in terms of the levels of analysis and whether if we were thrown in at a club we'd be able to to do it without struggling or you know that so that is intriguing for me. Yeah. But I, I certainly wouldn't put myself on many managers' levels. I'm completely honest. Yeah. You know, well, yeah, I mean, it's just more the fact that he he basically, he's, I can't, I can, I'm not even, <laughs> the Spiel for Lagerung blog, um, which was basically, he, 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 he dissected teams, players, tactics and managers in, in forensic detail. And uh, Rene basically went on to be appointed about age 26. He went to be assistant at Red Bull Salzburg and he's now moved over to be assistant manager at uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach in in the Bundesliga. Um, and I just want to I just want to say he's the ultimate poster child, isn't he, from going in from um, um, the, the despair. People always say, oh, it's bloggers, Twitter experts and bloggers, you know, and, and ultimate somebody going from that public domain and putting stuff out there on the Internet to getting a really, really high-profile job. I mean, let's say he's still only 28 and getting an assistant manager job at Gladbach in a big team like that. It's just phenomenal, isn't it, what what he's done? And he's the poster chart for all of this, I guess. Yeah, yeah, but I think, you know, to be honest, I follow quite a few people in and around this type of field. And um, I think in the past 12 months particularly, I've just picked up on plenty of them getting, getting club work and getting picked up on by certain certain outlets, certain media outlets maybe, but I think there's, there's definitely definitely seems to be like a, a growing market for, for picking up on these Twitter talents, if you like, and bringing yeah. them into to roles that suit them rather than um, employing people through the old-fashioned route, which would simply be, you know, a CV and a cover letter maybe. Yeah, and I guess one of the things they can see there is people can see your work. If you're pushing work out there in the public domain, People then can see it, and they know what you're going to know what you're capable of before you even get to interview. Um, it's almost yeah. like you'd be targeted because of the work you've got out there. I mean, there's a few others I've got noted down. There's Nikos Overhill, who's basically now he was at Michelland um, and Brentford with Ted Knutson. Now he's head technical scout at Statsbob, but he basically came from just doing stuff on the internet, basically out and doing a bit of analyst work. And he, he then he went into football and back out again now. Bobby Gardner, this, they were those two were more on the tactics side, and then a few well-known ones on the on on the on the analytics side. Bobby Gardner, who was basically head, he created Football Whispers. People 
uh, who follow this channel might know Sam Maguire as one of the most well-known faces of um, uh, Football Whispers. Um, and But Bobby's founded that site, and he basically now works as a data analyst at PSG. And then Steve McCarthy got picked up by AS Roma about three years ago. I mean, I, I did I did these analytics pods with Steve back then, and he was one of the first ones to expected goals models, and he had this 20,000 shot model and stuff like that back back in the day three years ago, and he got picked up by Roma, so um, headhunted by them. So there's plenty of examples of these guys, and you know, going from being Twitter experts and you know bloggers into in, into into professional careers, and um, and I guess you're you're slightly different, Josh, going into the the media side of things. But oh, like you said, it like we what the lines between people, what people think happens in reality behind closed doors and what happens on people's works on Twitter, there might not be that much of a gap between the two things. No, no, and I'd, I'd say club work as well um, and work behind the scenes in certain certain companies crosses over with the media as well. Like You, you mentioned Bobby Gardner there. I was with Bobby um, about five days ago, actually. Uh, we were sat across the same table <laughs> in the same room. Did the stats uh, he, No, uh, it was the day before that. Um, okay. We met up with Analytics FC, and he's obviously, I think he's the director there. Um, and we're obviously interested in using tools of that nature just to provide another level of depth to our analysis. So, you know, we ended up talking like that. But it's, I suppose if you, if you step back from that and you look at, you know, at the end of the day, me and, it, me and him are both from similar backgrounds, if you like, in terms of just blogging, writing about yeah. football in an analytical way. Yeah. And it gets to the point where we're both sat across a conference room table. Yeah. Um, you know, doing business deals if you like. So yeah, I think with Bobby it was always obvious, right? Because he was just a kid out of uni, wasn't he as well? But I think he, he was obvious that he had a business head as well, though. I think as well, he's got that analytical brain for the for the, for the, for the technical stuff, but he also had that entrepreneurial thing, which I don't think everybody's got. A bit like Gax. Yeah. <laughs> a bit oh, like Gax. Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. Um, so anyway, let's let's just start at the beginning then, Josh. Is it? Let's go right right back to the stars. When did when did you fall in love with football and the Reds? How, how did that happen for you? Uh, this this is a, a bit of a weird one to be honest because my dad is actually a blue. Same here. Um, <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, but my my cousin, I'd say, was probably my, my main influence um, because although, although my dad's a blue, he's not he's not massively football orientated. I think it's safe to say. Whereas Same my here. cousin, yeah. who was, who was spent similar. a lot of time with. Yeah. Was a, a big red, and he's got, you know, he's got coaching badges and things like that. He's done a bit of managing, um, you know, at a low level, but yeah, I think like he, semi, he semi-pro that, stuff, yeah, 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 something along those lines, yeah. Um, um, he had a bit of an influence on me as a kid. Um, in terms of watching Liverpool, we didn't really have Sky and like that in my house. We didn't have really have access to it, so my my way of watching Liverpool was basically VHS. I had um you know, season reviews on, on DVD and, and VHS and things like that, where, like, every match is recorded. and you'll, It's almost like a match of the day, but for a full season, strictly for Liverpool games. And I'd just watch them, and I'd get through it, and the next day I'd maybe watch it again. So if you if you ask me about maybe the, the 2001 season, you know, I'll be able to reel off plenty of matches, probably. Treble season? And, uh, I think so, yeah. Um, that, that was, that's a good one to start with. Well, that, that was when... Um, I think we had the likes of Michael Owen really coming into coming into his own. We had Emil Heskey up front, Bobby Farrell was around. Yeah, Gerard uh, was just breaking through. Yeah, Patrick Berger was about, Yai Lindman was about. Didier Man, yeah. Yeah, Sammy, yeah, yeah. But, yeah, but at, at this age, I, you know, I, I must have been about maybe eight at most or something like that, but that was my only way of watching Liverpool, really. Uh, and I'd obviously watch matches there in the nights if I could uh, stay awake <clears> long enough. Yeah, so terrestrial... Uh, Terrestrial TV and um, yeah, and VHS. Wow. <laughs> yeah, just trying to make the most of uh, the access that I had, really, because obviously there was there was no real internet back then. Yeah. Um, but I still obviously had a bit of a passion for football. I played football on my own time. Um, and you know that kind of thing, I suppose. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, you you often hear there's very few kids. I mean, I, I brought up two kids to uh, in in Liverpool going through going through. Youngest ones in um, just started secondary school now, and you know you know how rare it is for anybody at that age to go to Anfield. So nobody watches the football in the match anymore because nobody can get tickets. Um, and so then you're reliant on um, you're reliant on satellite TV back in the day. 
But as you got a bit older, did did you did did you how did what I'm interested in is when you went through your ages when you really got into it into into forty maybe in your teenage years and building on were you what was it was it stream inside you went into did you, did you how much footage did you watch particularly of other teams as well? I think uh, as I've got older, I, I mean I'm now at a point now whereby even before I reach the past couple of years maybe I think I've I consume a lot of football. Um, I'm not just a, a Liverpool fan, I'm a football fan. I think there's a big difference in that. Um, I obviously watch Match of the Day and things like that. And I think, just another note on my cousin as well, from an early age, I was introduced by him to the likes of a Championship Manager and yeah, um, yeah. Fo- Football Manager and games like that. What console did you have? Um, what computer? Oh, I, I, I couldn't even tell you. I was going to say Commodore or Atari ST, Amiga or something, I don't know. Yeah, yeah, I've got no idea, but I, I was never really a, a FIFA player or anything like that. I, from a very early age, I was introduced to a more strategic game, if you like. Yeah, um, a game that's more focused on, you know, player knowledge and some tactical aspects, at least, and, and things like that. So I had a really good player knowledge as a kid. I knew, I knew players <coughs> from foreign leagues that I probably shouldn't have. When, you know, when we were in um, McCall being in school, Playing football on on the on the yard, and you obviously pretend to be certain players and people on the yard would be like, you know, um, and and Thierry Henry, um, um, you know, Michael Owen, and I'd be coming out with all my diverse names from the Argentine league or you know <laughs> things like this, and it was just because you know I had an interest in football beyond yeah beyond beyond the average person maybe i think it's safe to say so, uh, so the football manager side introduces you those to those obscure forum signings don't you and players and say and la liga and stuff like that doesn't it yeah 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 like i've got i've got more knowledge than i probably should have of players in the early noughties maybe uh, and the late 90s that kind of that kind of era yeah because obviously around that era i was about you know five to ten which you just you're not really aware of many players apart from the stars in your own team yeah uh, yeah, when I was like, when I was younger, I used to get like um, I used to subscribe to World Soccer magazine, and I used to come back post every every month, I think it was, and you know just used to consume that like cover to cover because that was just like the nerdy stuff all around the leagues and everything like that. It was just that was just uh, anyway that was that was that was my nerd phase anyway back in I think that was my equivalent to the football manager stuff back in the eighties. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Um, so do you think that's how you? realised you were interested more in the on the tactical side of the game. Is that how that interest was fostered, both your, your, your cousin and, and, and playing and playing champ manager and football manager? Possibly. Um I don't I don't particularly remember being such a deep thinker of the game back then. Um I think that's that's came more as of matured maybe. Um I think I've always been quite an analytical person. Uh quite logical in the way that I think and things like that. But yeah. I think I think the whole football tactics aspect of the game came quite late to me, to be, even being totally honest. Um, like I think I think Rene Maric, if you go back to him, was was into this kind of stuff when he was around sixteen. Yeah. And and that's that's firmly not the case with myself. I I if I'm being completely honest, I I, I remember going through maybe a bit of a tough um, personal phase whereby I need I needed something to distract me. I needed something to to keep me attention. Um, so I tried, tried my best to pick up a book, basically. I've never really been a reader, much of a reader. I've always wanted to be, but it never, it was never something that really came natural to me. But I sent my mind to it and started reading like tactical books. And I distinctly remember, you know, a book as late as, um, Pep Confidential, uh, Radiola's book based on his time at Bayern. Yeah. And I just, I just remember reading it and it just, uh, it just hit a chord with me. It was weird. It just uh, it seemed to really change my whole perception of the game single handedly. Um like up until that point, I think up until you you've you're allowed this kind of knowledge or up until you you're presented with this type of knowledge. Your perspective is just that it's eleven v eleven and the best team wins. It's kind yeah. of as simple as that. And uh, you know, certain things can go wrong in a match. Certain players can be out of form, but that—that's all you think it is. It's just—it's just a case of form. It's a case of he doesn't fancy it today. But yeah, I, I think you once know, I, you, know, you know, when you were talking about books, I—I was swear, I swore you were going to say inverting the pyramid. Well, I, <laughs> you know, I, Jonathan I, I, Wilson. 
Yeah, yeah, I have read that one. It didn't particularly relate to me, even being totally honest. Yeah. Uh, it, it felt a bit too historic for me. I'm, I've never been that way, that way inclined. It went yeah. too far back, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, a great book, but... Went back to the 30s, didn't it, I think, in the end? Yeah, yeah, yeah really back to the times where, if we're being totally honest, there's no real tactical aspects of the game back then. But, you know, he he managed to find certain aspects to pick up on. But yeah. for me, that was, that was a book that I tried to relate to, but struggled to get through in the end, I think. Yeah. <laughs> But to, to see the way Guardiola perceived the game, uh, it just related to me. As I said, it just it just struck a chord with me in, in in a similar way to I suppose how Cruyff struck a, struck a chord with the Guardiola himself. Yeah, it just opened his eyes to a different a different type of football almost. Um, and I think gradually from then I just started watching the game differently rather than just following the ball. Um, and it, it changed the way I watched football, it changed the way I thought about football, and it just kind of snowballed from there, I think, into much more than that today, I think it's, it's safe to say, but... Yeah. Yeah, it just, it just snowballed from that point, I think. It, 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 but it hasn't been a particularly long... It doesn't feel like it's been a particularly long process for me, at least. Yeah. So, I mean, I think you've kind of answered this one already, but... Um, so you, you never really went on a plan of... I'm going to go and do uh, sports science. I'm going to do. My, I'm going to go and do. Play, start trying to do coaching badges. It was never that. It was more of just a hobby, really, of, the, of yours that, that that basically just grew into a, a, a kind of more of a, a mini obsession. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I studied. Uh, I studied business. I, I, I've got a degree in um, business management. Okay. But it's, it's it's completely. I'm not exactly sure why. To <laughs> <laughs> be totally honest, because I haven't used it <clears> since. Paid paid twenty eight grand for it. I haven't used it since. Wow. Um, but yeah, so I went to university, studied business management. Of course, I think it it certainly helped regarding my my writing skills and things like that. Yeah. Um. Obviously, I had a group of mates in uni. Oh, good lads, still speak to them, things like that. But I think yeah. very early with them in John Moore's John Moore's university, I think I was kind of identified as the lad in the group that could write quite well and could put a sentence together and could put a paragraph together. Because uh, our course wasn't really focused on tests. It was mostly with essays. So obviously you've got like an introduction, you've got a main body, you've got a conclusion. Yeah. yeah. And I was always the, the lad who thrived at, that, at those sorts of assignments. Yeah. Um, and just, you know, when I started applying my new perspective, if you like, on the game, when I was watching football and things, it's just uh, when, when you're sat next to your stepdad who doesn't necessarily think of football in the same way yeah I mean he's a, he's a bit of a soonest type being totally honest <laughs> yeah um, so whereas I'm sitting there trying to explain all complex yeah. tactical aspects of the game and he's, he's just saying oh he just doesn't fancy it today it's a bit tricky <laughs> so I ended yeah. up kind of creating a Twitter account uh, just as basically as a means of tweeting me thoughts tweeting me observations on the game see who yeah. would listen yeah uh, and the first couple of weeks for the early stages it was just a case of treating those thoughts to one follower two followers and it was yeah. uh, you make some uni probably yeah, yeah no they, they weren't even aware of it nobody was, oh, it, was right. just, uh, <laughs> it was just a personal thing that I just yeah 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 start, start of really doing without any explanation for it really yeah, it's one of those things like when you get started on Twitter how, how, how on earth do you get do you get that traction it's one of those things it's like you start with zero followers don't you and then you just you just build yourself up and Gradually, you say interesting stuff, and or you think you're saying interesting stuff, and people just pick up on it. Uh, and the more interesting stuff you say, the more the more people follow you. So, yeah, yeah. Well, I think I think there was a point actually after about maybe after about around three months of, of tweeting uh, that I just kind of I think I had about I'm not sure about twenty forty followers or something like that, and I just stopped. I just stopped tweeting. Um, <laughs> I can't like, I can't really remember why, but I think it was to do with nobody's listening really. Nobody uh, was interacting with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe I, I can't really remember, but gradually, after about I'm not sure, a couple of months, for whatever reason, I, I just went back to it and started doing it again. And you know, if if I'd never done that, I obviously wouldn't be in the position that I am today because my role, my current role, that what I'm paid to do now, largely stems, in fact, totally stems really from my Twitter account. If, if I'm being honest. 
and it was always and it was always uh, Twitter rather than Facebook or an Instagram. It was always that, but that was Twitter was the best platform, was it? Social media wise. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Instagram's I'm not really too fussed on Instagram, and Facebook is only something that I've tried to start using since, certainly in a in a football analysis. It's only something I've started using since getting the role of reach because it's something that they want me to, because, to build an audience on. Is that because the videos are less likely to be taken down on Facebook? No, that, that was my suggestion. I said, <laughs> I need some sort of reason to send people over to Facebook. What right. can it be? Can yeah. I just use videos? And they said, why not? Just try it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So I'm trying to use that, but still slowly getting there. Like I think um, I'm still a bit of a way off the me current Twitter following, but you know, we'll get there. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, obviously we touched on the social media aspect there, but, um, so how, how else did you use the internet to develop your interest and, and get your work out there into the public domain? Um, I think, I think one of the most important things in, in, in a role of mine, at least is to, to, to read about as much stuff as you can, um, and just c- continue to keep learning. Like if if you was to show me my early tweets, my early write ups, cringe. I'd, I, I, yeah, I'd undoubtedly cringe. Yeah. yeah. If you was to throw right, my, so show me my <laughs> if you was to show me my my stuff from two weeks ago, I'd probably cringe just because <laughs> it, 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 it's a case of continually, you know, progressing and becoming more advanced in what in what you know. Yeah. Uh, and I think Twitter, particularly the people that you follow, you know, they're all people that are like-minded people who are thinking in the same field as yourself yeah um they've got similar thoughts they've got similar interests so just by following people that are in the industry or have an interest in the industry yeah you just you just gradually start to think like them um and i think that's that's one massive thing that the internet's offered me certainly social media on twitter it's just allowed me to you know almost just in embarrass myself inside a, a community of analytics and, and tactics yeah um and that can only help your own knowledge and as I, as i said i've been i've always been quite a quite a good writer putting that putting paragraphs together and things like that so i've been able to you know almost filter that filter my knowledge down um so that people can read it and hopefully gain some insight so you were one of the first ones first guys i remember from uh from within the liverpool fan base doing um the screenshots uh, and you know even down to the stage of putting the sometimes putting circling things putting drawing attention to things on putting and you almost rather you seem to thread you know images related to what the match or something like that um rather than saying put a blog and uh, writing a blog right and and sticking it all on on a web page somewhere you, you yeah was that your preferred way was almost don't do it as an as, as in, right put a blog as a thread on twitter instead was that was that always your preferred approach yeah, well, I, I ultimately needed to start. I ultimately needed to build a following and build an audience. Um, yeah. And I thought the best way to do that, rather than sending people to a site, would be to to gain a following on Twitter. Um, and if I was posting the likes of videos and screenshots and things like that on my Twitter platform, yeah, then it'd give me it'd give people a reason to follow that rather right. than yeah, um, occasionally clicking on a link. Um, that's been retweeted onto their feed, maybe or, or something like that. So it was, it was basically with with to almost building a brand for myself because for like ninety percent of the time I've spent on Twitter, I've been faceless. I've only really yeah, I was, gonna, I was, that was one of, I was going to say that you, you you chose um you chose a um a tactics board, I think it was, and and, and obviously an anonymized um, handle as well. So. And I, I yeah. think it's obviously only reach that wanted to had to make you public and out you, if you like. <laughs> but, um, so it was an interesting choice that I thought by by design, yeah. Yeah, well, initially it was again, if I'm being honest, it was through embarrassment, I think, because it was it was a bit of a weird thing to be doing, considering it's it's all free, and I was spending a lot of time creating analytical viewpoints that. I mean, you've you probably experienced it yourself. You get plenty of replies from anonymous people just calling you a nerd and things yeah. like that. Oh, I much worse suffered... than that. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't actually suffered that much from it, I think, in comparison to many people. But just that whole aspect of it, I found a little bit, you know, from the perspective of people that know me, it's very easy to look to to look down upon that person and think, you know, what what's, what on earth is he doing? Why is he doing that? He's weird. 
So I think I was I was a bit conscious of revealing actually who I was until I was in a position yeah. whereby I was getting paid for it, if you like. Yeah. No, I, I think I, I agree. I, I definitely I can relate to the, what to what you're saying now, and I can see why you've done that. Um, I mean, I, I just on the just on the abuse side, I was going to um, deal with it later, but might as well do it now. Um, I mean, one of the things that you have to get used to, especially on Twitter, of all the platforms, I think is um, is is abuse directly to what you put out and quite often there's there's, there's two different types there's personal you know there's, there's this the out, outright uh just abusive you know like the nonce danger you know you tree <laughs> pedo you know nerds kiss the girl virgin that yeah. kind of stuff yeah yeah but then there's the other snide there's the snidey stuff around twitter experts you know look at you lads you're such an expert you think you no know more than clop you know you must get that all the time yeah uh, I do, yeah, but I, I, again, I don't. I don't think I suffer from it as much as as many people out there. I think the large majority of of comments I receive are positive, if I'm being honest, and that that's why I love doing what I do, and that's why I continue to do it. It's because I I enjoy getting feedback like that. I enjoy the feeling of you know I've been able to provide some insight for a person there. I've been able yeah. to give a person some perspective. Um, obviously, 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 I've used the block button plenty, uh, yeah. so maybe that's why. That's your preferred um, tactic, yeah. Yeah, and there's, there's been people in the past on Twitter, I won't name any names, but I've got one specific in my head right now who I just didn't... I, I, just sniping stuff, constantly snipping away? Yeah, well, it's, it's difficult on Twitter because if you try to explain something to someone, you will naturally come across as condescending. Even yeah, if you nearly always mean to be like that, yeah. Uh, so it's very easy for other people who were on who were just reading text, yeah, to to perceive that as oh, this lad thinks he's on a high horse when it's it's not yeah. usually it's not the case. It's so they can't get the context very, of how you're saying it, can they? It's just literally in black and white. So yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's very easy to be misunderstood. And yeah. um, there was there was a lad once who's particularly big on the uh, the Liverpool scene, I think, on Twitter and. I distinctly remember the tweet. I think we'd had a bit of a discussion, and then, and then the next day he tweeted something along the lines of, um, "Just because you write for free on a fan site doesn't mean you you know all about football or something like that." And then you know he was getting digged in about like you know being on Monday Night Football and all this. But yeah, I was I was tempted to be honest a, a couple of months later to to be to reply to the actual tweet and say, "I'm being paid now, mate. How do you feel now? Are you can listen to me now or what?" But you know, yeah. uh, ends up leaving it. Right above it, mate. Good man. Yeah, good man. Good man. No, yeah, you will get people like that. I think. I mean, there's just. I'm going to use a cheesy quote now, but I distinctly remember a, a quote by Jim Jim Carrey of all people, and he said, <laughs> um, "He said, you you stop explaining yourself to people when you realise that they only understand things from their own perspective." Nice. So, you know, that's that's the that's the perspective I've used since. I think people so, um, are just so far removed from my my train of thought it's a waste of your time and effort yeah sometimes it's not even worth trying yeah yeah Uh, so you have to know know, knowing which battles you can win and which ones aren't worth fighting yeah absolutely yeah um the um i say if anybody's thinking of doing this i think the thing i wanted to get out is that at some point once they get if they get over a certain size you will get abuse coming your way and i think the challenge for everybody is because the first time you get that in, in in a large form it's it's a bit of a shock isn't it um and i think everybody it's just it's just how you react to that and how you deal with that uh, i think is the key um and because no no one can prepare you for it you're just getting random abuse over the internet it is, it is and if you if you haven't got it before and it will it will it will leave you a bit um, numb i think um and, to, and um, obviously these days you, you get more like water off a duck's back because it's just the same things you've heard before but um did you do you know the, the first time you can remember did it did it um did it affect you did it shake you a bit uh the first time i got it i can't remember now but it, it did it does affect me yeah it still does to be honest because one of the the qualities of my work, I think, is that it's it's really easily understandable. It's, I write it so that it's quite universal. Yeah. Um. So that even even though it's quite complex and it's to do with you know analytics or tactical insights or whatever like that, it's still supposed to be understandable no matter what your background is. So if I get a response or a comment on the piece saying um 
you know, something completely different to to what I was intending. It it does make you above, above everything. I think look at yourself in the mirror and think like, you know, how how has he perceived that, or how how has that came across in 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 a way? It's it, it is it is tricky, and it's something that since working for weeks in particular, one of the things I did in the first couple of months was in the first couple of weeks, sorry, was check the comments section. Uh, if if anyone um, wants a laugh, you should go and check the comments section on any Liverpool Echo piece because the comments are unbelievable. Honestly, unbelievable. Well, there is a, there is a, I don't know if you know, I don't know how much you like comedians, but there's a guy who basically does his whole, his whole shtick now is, is reading comments off the bottom half of the internet and putting them together for a show. Uh, Dave Gorman, you know, the um, guy does the slides and the, um, what's his show called? Modern Life is Goodish. He basically, he's hot, he's hot. Yeah, his whole, his, but his whole, his, his whole routine now is based on gathering comments on on blogs off the bottom half of the internet. So it's, it's that's what yeah, he yeah. does. But yeah, so there you go. He turned it into comedy and a successful format, anyway. But um, no, it is it is unbelievable, and I, I yeah. think very early. Um, the the lad who's now the Liverpool correspondent for the Echo, Paul Ghost, he very quickly just said to me, "Never look at the comments on 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 the sites because it's not worth it." Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's not worth it. Um, like I, I wrote a piece on uh, I think it was leading up to the Champions League final against Spurs yeah. and I just again stupidly checked the comments and one of the top comments was uh, thanks for giving away our tactics and then with a swear word at the end so yeah. you know, it, it, honestly no words for these people I don't, I don't know how many brains how many brain cells they've got but it can't be a yeah. deal yeah but Unfortunately, it's one of those things. It's um, there's, I mean, getting the abuse and ha- learning to handle the abuse is, is again, it's a, a rite of passage. I think, for, especially if somebody wants to do something which is perceived as nerdy. Yeah. 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 Definitely. So, um, just want to touch quickly on um, the channel that we're broadcasting on at the moment, AI. I mean, um, this played a, quite a role in, I guess, in, in your writing, at least your writing style when you're writing proper blogs. So, how did that? How did that start, Josh? What did What did you do? Did you just approach Gags and just ask if you could write for the site, or as simple as that? Yeah, I think it was as simple as that. Uh, I can't particularly remember exactly why, uh, but I think I just had a little something bit of, to say. A little bit, yeah, yeah, something to say that was maybe a bit too long for a Twitter thread or, or something along those lines. So I called sending them maybe a DM or an email. I'm not too sure. And before I knew what I was writing, my first piece was shocking. My first piece was on Brendan Rodgers and why he should be perceived positively by fans, which I don't know why I wrote that. And I'd absolutely stray from it now because it's just a standard It wasn't about tactics then? No, no, no. That that was something I think... Like like a comment piece or opinion piece? Yeah, it was. It was just a very generic... The type of piece that I avoid like the plague today, to be honest. Yeah, yeah, Uh, yeah, absolutely. Um, but I think gradually I just kind of discovered what what my niche was maybe uh, yeah. I think there was thanks to Monday Night Football in particular I think there was yeah. a developing a developing interest in analysis beyond you know how a goal was scored just to do with how the game was uh, was working and you know the influx of the likes of Pep Guardiola he was changing the game tactically I think I think the lad who uh, Jonathan Wilson I think it is who wrote in the pyramid yeah, I think he's. I think he's. He said previously that I don't know where his his book just seemed to catch a wave, really, just because the demand out of nowhere for tactics just seems to develop. So yeah, I started writing about stuff that maybe other people would. I guess travel. another guy. I guess another famous guy was Michael Cox, uh, Zonal Markin. Yeah, yeah, I think he, he's another who said something along those lines too. And he, he and he basically, I mean, I think he like the Jonathan Wilson wave. Um, he was riding that for sure, but he, but his niche was um, Statzone. He was basically just used Statzone incessantly every match. Blogging, you know, he, he was prolific in his early days. He'd like four or five, you know, match tactical match reviews on a week, you know, and it, it would just be constantly. I mean, I think I think I think Statzone was a real breakthrough generally for anybody who's either interested in tactics, football tactics, or analytics, because it allows you to kind of 
combined the two for the first time and, and on a mobile device it was a bit of a game changer and the way that you could you could see the pass maps and the pass directions and the passing zones and the combinations and the shot maps and everything and i think i think michael cox just became the one who really used that that app um in a way that you know he he put he he used it nearly always from the tactical side not so much the analytics side but it was one of those ones that combined the two i mean how did how did is, is that something that you've used a lot um Come on, I've got a question about tools generally, tools and methods. Is StatZone one of the ones that you've used a lot, Josh? No, 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 it's actually not. Uh, it's, it's not really a site. Uh, I think it's an app now, isn't it? A paid app. Yeah, it is on iOS now only. Yeah, It used to be um, free on both on Android and Apple, but disappeared for a while and came back as a pay only for Apple. Yeah, yeah, no, that, that's a tool that I've, ne- I've not previously um, <coughs> really, really used much. I've always been more of a, a Scout user, really. Yeah. Um, and that was largely because of the, the tactical perspective that I had on the game. So with White Scouts, I was obviously able to get clips up. You can draw on those clips. You can make videos and annotate them as they move and things like that. So it, it offered everything that I needed, really. And, so you, you know, before you got established, you subscribed personally to White Scout and got your own subscription, effectively, yeah, and your own license. Did you use you use Wisecout personally? For a short period of time, another football analysis site before Anfield Index, and they had company Wisecout. So that was how I came across Wisecout and what it was like. Yeah. So I I used their Wisecout um, to analyse certain pieces. I think my first ever analytical piece, I think, might have been a recruitment analysis for Manchester City. Um, yeah. Do you reckon that was? I'm not sure. It makes, Four years ago, or something like that, maybe three years ago. Is it like when that. their recruitment was bad, like the Javi Garcia, you know, era and that kind of stuff? And yeah, well, it's funny because a few of the players I suggested weren't actually too far off. I, I remember suggesting Edison, and he went and signed him. Um, I suggested Fabinho, he's now at Liverpool, obviously, uh, and I suggested the the Barcelona fullback, who's now at Benfica, I think it is, suffers from injuries quite a bit. Maxwell. No, no, he's, he's, he's Spanish. He was captain oh. of the uh, Barcelona B. His name oh. always escapes me, always. And I think another lad that I um, suggested was... Takera. Uh... No, no, it wasn't. No, it, no right. guys just put it in the chat. <laughs> I can't think of his name. Uh, but, and, and the other one I suggested was the Julian Weigl for Dortmund. Mm, nice. Um, but, the, you know, it was quite analytical and they included uh, screenshots and things like that and when I stopped writing for them, I just kind of realised that I, I needed those screenshots and those videos to capture <clears> my my points in more depth. So, so I subscribed for my own, paid for that out of my own pocket, despite writing for free and tweeting for free. Grimaldo, that was it. Grimaldo. I told you about somebody with an encyclopedic knowledge of world football, Guy Drinkle, there we go, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that was the player. Uh, yeah. The piece was the, I could read that piece back now. It probably wasn't too bad to be honest, but I think it was one of the better ones. It was quite in depth because it was my first piece for them. So, so yeah, I, I was a massive fan of White Scouts initially. Missed it when I lost it, and then was willing to to pay out my own pocket for it, despite not really in anything for me for me actually actual and, writing work. And did Reach use White Scout before you came into role, or was it something you said we need to get this software? No, when, when I was interviewed, they they asked how I produced my videos because they, yeah. they were obviously obviously aware of it. And I said yeah. I, I've got my own personal white scout, and then and the the person I was getting interviewed interviewed by John Birchall stated that you know the person who gets this role will have his own personal white scout account. So that was obviously music to my ears, considering I'd shipped out you know a fair amount for free. <laughs> uh, I, I was now able to. Uh, uh, to cancel cancel that subscription and, and use the, the free one that we, my own company was providing me with. Yeah, so just just to anybody who doesn't know, Wisecout is is primarily it's video analysis software, but ultimately it's linked to the um, Opta dataset. And what it does is instead of um, so where you just got the, the events recorded like a pass, a dribble, uh, a tackle, a headed clearance or whatever, um, then what what Wisecout will do is will they will tag clips from a match against the events and then you can literally search for anything you can search for uh you know left-footed shots from a player 
in between 20 and 30 yards out you could search for dribbles by a player on a one-on-one situation and you know you can you can pretty much narrow it down to whatever you want can't you um yeah yeah it's it's really really sort of stuff it's really powerful yeah Yeah. especially for videos and especially for tactical aspects of the game i think the the data is still a little flawed i think yes um we won't go into that we know that (laughs) yeah we won't go into that yeah But the actual tactical aspects of the game, you know, if you pick up on something, say around the 32nd minute, when a player hits a cross-field diagonal pass, you will literally be able to isolate that clip and get it up and be able to draw upon it inside 30 seconds. You know, it won't won't be tricky. So I just found the the tool very powerful. Yeah, and if you would... It was worth the investment. And if you wanted to do one now, if you wanted to say you wanted to look at all... Uh, say you were going to do an echo blog and you were going to say you want to look at Trent's distribution you could say I want to see all Trent's cross field passes 50 yards or more uh, you know um, off the floor on the floor whatever you wanted to do and then within five minutes you could have a string of 10 15 clips just to just to put ready couldn't you it's it's, it's so easy yeah it is yeah definitely yeah. It's, it, it's something I'd recommend to mind you I think they've, they've recently actually changed the pricing plan so I don't think I'd actually be able to do it in the, in the present day actually I think you know, back when I did it, they had just personal accounts for, for journalists yeah. to fanalytics kind of thing. Whereas yeah. now, I think the cheapest plans is something like a grand. And I think you've got to pay a yearly fee. Yearly, a yearly fee are there any other, are there any other tools that you've tried um, similar to Scout? Maybe tried and maybe didn't like as much? Or has it just always been Scout? Uh, no, I've, I've mainly preferred Scout. There's, there's obviously other providers out there who are, who are very good. I think on this, that's probably my second most used. That's amazing. That's, How is that's that obviously not? How is that site yeah, free? Yeah, I know. It's, it is brilliant, but that, the one aspect that that doesn't cover is video. Um, yes, it's just quant, yeah, only, quantitative only, yeah. Yeah, I think StatsBomb's obviously brilliant, but again, they're really expensive and they don't cover video yet, although that's something that they are doing. So the Echo uh, Echo's not going to be subscribing to StatsBomb, no? getting a license after that, you know. Did you get a, you know, I know you went down to the conference, didn't you get the data dump from them or? <laughs> no, we, we we actually inquired. Uh, I'll tell you the figure that I was quoted after the after the pod, but uh, it was um, extortions. <laughs> yeah, that's one you remember that. Wait, by the way, were you ever around Downfield Index when Gags did the Stats Centre? Uh, I'm not too sure. Not too sure on that. Yeah, because that was the one when they shut him down, up to shut Gags down, and when and he tried to start him back up, and it was they just quoted him something astronomical, like you know thousands and thousands per per seasons per license. You know, it was it was ridiculous. But yeah, um, so and another thing, the last thing I wanted to say is, you know, very much in the early days, Josh, when you were getting established, you were really almost like pure tactics. But I think it's fair to say within maybe the last six to 12, 18 months, you've really tried to branch out into the analytics side as well as the tactics. Um, do, do you think that's some, something that's come naturally to you? Or is it something you've, um, you know, have you, have you, you seem to me more comfortable being a tactics head rather than and how, and how are you finding that whole journey into the analytics side as well? Yeah, that's been, that's been quite strange, to be honest, because I've never really been that much of a numbers guy. Uh, I've never. It's it's just I, I can deal with it to an extent, but there will be a level where it gets it gets beyond me. Or certainly in the past, that's been the case. But I think since since getting this role in particular, I've obviously had to embrace additional ways to analyse the game. Yeah. Um, especially quicker and more efficient ways to analyse the game because although reach, uh you know when giving us the, the freedom to, to make these roles our own. There's still a, a demand there to get a certain amount out per day. Yeah. Um, so I'm tasked with writing about the club. Like, yeah. we, we go beyond Premier League. We we, we can have rugs about, I think, League Two clubs at times. Not yeah. too frequently, but when you do so, so you obviously never just, watch just, these teams. Just to clarify for the people who may not know, Liverpool Echo uh, used to be owned by Trinity Mirror. Trinity Mirror became Reach PLC. And Reach PLC also own um, the London Manchester Evening News, the Birmingham Post, the which ones? That, what other ones do they do, Josh? London Evening Standard. Yeah, it's uh, Manchester Evening News, uh, Birmingham Mail, I think it's called. Birmingham uh, Mail. Newcastle Chronicle, um, and then you've got plenty of others such as Leeds Live, Football London, um, just all different. D- d- different all under the Reach like banner. That, really. 
yeah, and you, yeah, and, and you basically get things. you basically get um, farmed out to write basically for for again you brought it back for Villa right for Birmingham right for Newcastle Sunderland you know Manchester you, yeah. you do a lot of Man City for the MEN don't you um, yeah and you do some London stuff Spurs I think did you do a Spurs one the other week yeah yeah literally whatever's relevant at the time whatever sense it feels as though they need something you know analysing if you like or explaining or or that sort of thing they need a problem to be solved or, or that, that sort of thing get a bit of insight on yeah yeah we will we will be commissioned and uh, it, it sounds it sounds brilliant and it sounds easy but if you get asked to write about maybe why why Reading's attack isn't working and you don't watch Reading ever, it can be a little tricky. So I think one Especially of the Especially when you're right, your primary audience is Reading fans who are hardcore. Yeah, exactly, yeah. So Don't read the comments. <laughs> so if you're taking only the the tactical means of analysing the game into that piece, you're going to be there a long while. So I think... The whole analytics aspect of it allows you to, to take an alternative angle to analyse the numbers, and it can be a lot more efficient. And usually, you come you come to the same, if not a more a better conclusion. Um, like football, on for example, when Arsenal signed the Brazilian kid called, I think his name's Gabriel Martinelli. Um, they signed him over the summer, I think. Um, and they wanted to do a little a little experiment. And he, he said to me, we want you to analyse this kid without looking at a single video clip of him. Do not watch him play. And he said to another lad, don't look at any of his numbers and watch him play. And they combined our two pieces. Mm. Uh, and funnily enough, we both compared him to the same player, with that being Richarlison. So, you know, that, that just captures, I think, the, the power of the numbers if you're able to interpret them accurately and if you're able to use the right ones, you know, you can really get a picture of a player without literally literally without seeing him kick a ball. Um that is actually a really interesting stance on that. I I never actually considered that before. That's that's fascinating actually. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I've I've done it with clubs. some clubs will have certain problems or whatever and, you know, I've been asked to write about them and without actually being told what the problem is just a quick glance at the numbers, and you can you can usually get a gauge as to what's wrong and what you need to fix and things like that. So, I think analytics is uh, as as what it's done in in the whole of football. Really, it's it's just allowed me and football clubs to be to be more efficient with the time. Um. So so yeah, I think that's that's one of the reasons. So you've just described a big uh, you've just described a big industry con- IT industry concept called big data, which is basically. Um, you have you have so much data now, but but you you look at the key is looking for patterns in the data and looking for what's meaningful, and you're known the right numbers to look at to explain a situation. And I and you, I I absolutely endorse what you say because you, you what people say oh you know football's too fluid, you can't do any, you can't analyze that, you know blah blah blah. You know you know which numbers to look at, you can get a pretty good picture and a pretty good handle on a team's issues and strengths. Just from, yeah, purely, yeah, just from just from a purely quantitative um, aspect, and when you align that quantitative view with the video analysis, that's when you get that I hate this word holistic approach, and you can really produce some top quality material. And I think that's where you and Dave are now. Is it just still the two of you, by the way? It's still only us two, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, I think what I think what you're saying is spot on. No, I think you know most of the time, in fact, ninety nine percent of the time. We will make sure that we combine any numbers um, conclusions with with some form of video just to back yeah. us. You know, I don't I don't believe in absolute data scouting. I think you've got to incorporate no. certain other things. Um, but I think you know I wrote about Man City today, for example. What what Man City's issue is, what their problem is at the minute. And I think if if I'd never seen City play and I looked purely at their numbers, it'd be very clear what their problem is. Shots Exactly. They dominate possession every game, take plenty of shots every game, face very few shots every game, and that's been the case for about three years now. The difference is, at the minute, their XG per shot is massive. So whenever they do face a shot, it's very clear-cut. They obviously need to work on that, and I'll be able to pick up on that without watching them play. I think they conceded the third most um, shots in the six-yard box of any team in the Premier League this season, so... 
yeah, you can see shots in that particular zone, um, you're going to concede a lot of goals. Yeah, and if so, if someone was to watch through all of City's games and watch yep. all the chances that they can deface, yeah. their conclusion would probably be the same as mine in that they're not conceding many shots, but when they do, they clear cut. So yep. I think the numbers just allow you to, you know, save time, make good decisions, be efficient. Yeah. As as it does with the uh, with football clubs. Yeah, and, and you know, in terms of the actual, if you had to diagnose that into a single issue, just to try and maybe take this example to its logical conclusion, do you say that what the biggest the biggest issue is what dealing with balls into their penalty area? City. Yes. Uh, yeah, along those lines, and and, and certainly since since the Port injury, uh, I think the, their means of stopping counter attacks isn't anywhere near as as productive as it was. I think it's going to be in, really open, in open play with Fernandinho's tactical fouling as well, yeah? yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I've read recently that they're teaching Rodri how to commit those fouls, which is <coughs> remarkable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they'll be interested to see how they do in the in the upcoming match because they've got Crystal Palace, who are obviously a very good counter attack side. Yeah, come on, boys. Uh, along the similar lines of uh, Wolves, really. Yeah. Um, and the final question. Um, what would be uh, your uh, any top tips for anybody wishing to follow in what you've done, Josh? Anybody listening? I think uh, everybody's advice for, th- for this question will, will always be different. Um, like just before I got my real break, I was I asked Miguel Delaney this exact question because Miguel Delaney gave me some positive feedback on one of my articles, which was yeah. you know which meant a great deal at the time. But his advice was to go to university. And study journalism, I think. Yeah. And that was something that if I'd have done, it another twenty-eight grand. Been, yeah, exactly. It probably would have been. A, I appreciate the advice. Don't get me wrong, but I think it would have been a big waste of time, and I would have been around the houses when it wasn't really necessary. You, so I think you might have thought you were. You might have thought you were eighteen rather than twenty-three. You know. Yeah, maybe so. Yeah. Um, but I think my advice, based on what I've what I've learned is, you know, just be original, be be different. In, not in the, not in a constrained way whereby you're just coming out with stupid shouts to stand out from the crowd, but yeah. to the extent whereby when you speak, people want to listen. Uh, don't follow the crowd. You know, be interesting. Uh, be bold in what you say. Um, and just, just effectively market yourself as though you are a brand. Um and, you know, another thing as well, in terms of Anfield Index, one thing Anfield Index did really well for me is they allowed me to, to basically write whenever I wanted. Obviously, the agreement when, when I initially signed up with Gags was, was that I produced maybe a, a piece a piece every two weeks or so, but there were certain times where I went a, a fair amount of time without writing, and that was just because, you know, rather than producing a piece every week on, on why storage is a good bench option, I instead <laughs> chose to write... You know, more sporadically, but when you do, it's interesting. People click on it, and because you're not there all the time. Yeah, yeah. Like I've never been one to tweet maybe fifty times a day. I'll tweet often enough to to be worth following, but you know, you'll notice that I don't really talk much during matches because I'm probably going to be influenced by bias. I don't really tweet over VAR or referees or all that nonsense that doesn't really offer any value to anyone's timeline. Just Make sure that yeah, you be original. Don't stand stand out really compared to everybody else, and give people a reason to to take note of you, as opposed to the, the thousands of other people wanting to do football right. Yeah, because there's a lot of people to choose from. I guess that's the thing. Um, actually, there are final final question, Josh. What what advice does um twenty something Josh give to teenage Josh? One piece of advice. Uh, the piece of advice I'd probably give myself at that age is just to keep doing what you're doing because don't, don't go to uni. <laughs> no, I suggest uni because it doesn't. <laughs> or get a better, do, go to uni and do a degree which I'm going to use. Oh. Yeah, yeah, do a different degree, yeah, maybe. Um, but it does offer some form of character building at least. But I think anyway, when I was when I was that age, for, for some reason I can't really explain it, I always had kind of a um, a perspective that. I will, I will end up where I'm supposed to be. Uh, not, not to the extent where I'm just sat there waiting. It doesn't really work as simply as that. But 
I was never really in a rush to get out of me the job the job that I had at the time, um, because I was just relatively happy in it. I got offered to move up the ladder, and turned it down because it, I, I thought to myself, it's a nice offer, but it's not really where, where I want to be. And I just kind of pressed on with the whole, you know, distance covered thing, just to see what it could become. Um, and I was aware at the time that I was. Kind what of have you different. got now? 30k followers more? Or? Uh, nowhere near that actually. I've got about 12, I think. 12,000, 13,000, okay. something like that. But you had the majority of that before you started at Reacher? Yeah, yeah. I think I had, I think I had around 10 when I started yeah. at Reacher, something like that. I'm not, I'm not too sure. But I think it's. I, I did kind of have the perspective to just trust the process. And for whatever reason, it's, it's worked. Which, you know, for a lot of people, it mightn't. <laughs> But from my perspective, just having the belief in that, that that things would come good, having the belief that you that I was good enough to to eventually be be, be paid to do what I do, uh, actually ended up coming through. So yeah, I mean the advice I'd give to to the teenage me would be different to maybe what I'd give other people. But the advice that I gave myself at the time when I was a teenager it did seem to to work perfectly because I'm now doing. My my ideal job really. I couldn't have couldn't have made a more perfect job for myself. Hallelujah, hallelujah. I'm very lucky, by the way. I need to say that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There's always there's always there's always elements of looking people getting breaks and stuff. I guess uh, yeah. I guess one person we haven't actually mentioned was uh, was was Chris Walsh. I mean, I guess he was pivotal. Was he in this? Uh, was he in which? In 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 getting then in, in the role at Reach wasn't it his? kind of initiative anyway generally to take the company in this direction with the to tactical um stuff uh, i'm not i'm not only sure whose whose choice it was to go down that route uh because i was i went in the company at the time but when yeah. i actually came in chris was my editor chris was yeah. the guy who introduced me to everybody he was the guy who you know bedded me in if you like and you know i still do still do plenty with him still you know i was with him today um he's a geek at could, heart isn't he as well <laughs> yeah, he's he, he's more. I think he's more inclined to think like that than than most football writers. You'd, you'd be surprised the football writers out there that um they aren't analytically inclined at all. No. Um, I think if 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 I was to give credit to a single person beyond Chris, I think I'd have to call out John Birchall again, just because he he really did recruit me in a different way to to what's to what's normal. Certainly from my perspective. Um, you know, when I got to the interview, I didn't have any. He didn't have any CV up. He didn't have my application form up. He had me last article up. Um, <laughs> nice. And the, the way in which he invited was it a good me to one? the interview, it was the Packham one. The Packham oh, for, no, that was a good one. Like, yeah, that was. Yeah, a good one. yeah, yeah. So yeah. that went down quite well. <laughs> yeah. Um, Incidentally, yeah, I, I saw someone yeah. unpacking this morning. We're, we're we're only plus two on the season, believe it or not. I saw some. Yeah. Somebody, I, yeah. Yeah, Not around good. this time last season, I think we were plus 25-ish. Yeah, so like it's a, yeah, anyway. Sorry, go on, Josh. No, I was just saying, uh, just the way in which I was recruited was basically founded upon my Twitter, really. I think he invited me to an interview via the DM. Um, and he followed me around the time that I applied for the job. Yeah. Um, and I just thought to myself, I'm sure that's the lad who posted the job interview. I'll send him a DM just to let him know that I've applied. And he responded with, um, I've not, I noticed. So that just gave me a bit of a boost initially that, you know, okay, this lad's aware of me. And as I said, I've got no journalism background at all. I was coming from Twitter basically. Yeah, you did he, you did a few but, at um you did a few at Between the Posts, I think, as well. Um any other ones? Yeah. Uh, Between the Posts, um there was a site a long time ago called ES I can't even remember what it was called. It was just it was just four letters. Um, ESDF analysis, I think it was called. Actually. Um, and I did one or two match supports, um, but honestly, not a great deal beyond Anfield Index. So yeah. for John to put trust in me that he did, and you know, it, it obviously did mean a lot. He's, he's kind of single-handedly almost give me the the big break that I need that I needed, uh, and I've hopefully lived up to what he expected. Yeah. Well, I couldn't um, uh, I couldn't have asked for much more to get out of that, uh, Josh, than 
than than than you than you gave there that was outstanding. I mean, I just wanted to say that if anybody's listening, young people starting off down this road, I think there's some really really good advice in there, some good examples. So if you're good, if you're interested, if you're keen, put your work out there. Contact gags, get on the site, get on other sites, contact people, just try things. And if your work's good, you'll shine through. And fingers crossed, you could, you'll be the next Josh Williams. <laughs> mad, isn't it? Mad to say it is, that. It is mad hearing that. And it's mad to be doing this kind of talk as well, because I've obviously not been in the industry very long. So no. It's, uh, it's, it's a young it's man's crazy. game. Well, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully it'll stay that way. But well, one thing I will say, though, by the way, is that if anyone does have any kind of questions or anything like that, my DMs are always open. So, you know, at distance covered on Twitter, if you want to, if you've got any questions, if you want any advice or anything like that, as I said, you can always, always send me a message. Yeah. Brilliant stuff, Josh. Thanks ever so much for coming on, mate. No worries, mate. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, everybody. Really hope you enjoyed that. Give us your feedback, as always. We love it. Um, and, um, hopefully i will be doing another one of these um and it won't be the next year before it gets done but in any case we'll see you next time for up on monday bye-bye Network.